morning and welcome to The Catholic Journey. This is Deacon Pat coming to you from beautiful Northern California where the wind is really breezy today. The sky is filled with smoke and uh, and I'm off work on vacation. <laughs> hey, I'm a little bummed. Uh, I was supposed to be uh, actually in Ireland right now with my five brothers. We had planned this trip for uh, quite some time. And uh, we were going to spend a week in Ireland and we had an Airbnb was going to be our home base. And uh, we had a nice big kind of luxury van that we rented and we were going to circle the island and see lots of beautiful places and uh, spending a lot of quality time together. And uh, this dang coronavirus ruined it all. (laughs) So uh, we were just we were holding out month after month after month to see uh, what was going to happen. I started to get a little disillusioned when I saw that Ireland was quarantining all uh, visitors from other countries, or at least from the United States, with a 14-day quarantine where you arrived, and we and we were going to be there for a week. So that made no sense at all. Um, but then finally, the airline actually canceled our plane tickets. Uh, so that was the end of that. And, uh, so we canceled it. Um, it's kind of nice. It took it out of our hands. We didn't even have to make a decision, uh, because we didn't have any way to get over there. So hopefully God willing, uh, we can, uh, do it next year. Uh, hopefully the health of, of all my brothers will be okay. And we will able to be able to spend some time uh, next year. It's really interesting. I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to squeeze all this in. I also wanted to do another pilgrimage uh, next year. I was uh, hoping to uh, walk the uh, way of St. Francis. They got this wonderful pilgrimage. I think some of you remember my brother Tim and I did uh, the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James, a few years ago where we walked across Spain. They have something similar to that, and it's called the way of St. Francis. And you start in uh, Florence, Italy, and you walk uh, south across the country, uh, through many of the little towns, villages, and cities. So starting in Florence, you make your way to Assisi, and then eventually from Assisi to Rome. I'm hoping to do that next year. Uh, I did send out an email to some of my friends uh, with a little, some, with a feeler, I guess, to see if anyone would be interested. Although I got to tell you, um, just uh, we went with a group last time when we did the Camino de Santiago, and uh, and we started off with the group, and then about uh, halfway through it for us, anyway, uh, my brother Tim and I split off from the group and did the rest of it ourselves. And <clears throat> that was great. It was kind of like the best of both worlds. We had the uh, camaraderie of of the the group and and uh, experiencing you know things uh, together as like minded Catholics. And then I had the intimacy of of just uh, quite a few days with my brother Tim, um, and that was <clears throat> quite nice. I'm gonna take a little sip. Sorry, you guys. A sip of water, that is. It's too early in the day. It's only 12 o'clock. <laughs> anyway, so um, so that's where kind of my heart is right now. Uh, a little bit, a little bummed because um, I'm on vacation and I'm sitting at home when I could be in Ireland. But you know, God's ways are not our ways. And, and, uh, and uh, I'm sure there's a, a hidden message in here that I uh, haven't uh, revealed yet. Well, I wanted to uh, spend a, a little bit of time. I want to quickly read the gospel from last Sunday, and then maybe we could reflect on that a little bit. It was a nice short little gospel from the gospel of Matthew, and it goes like this. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. 
If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of the two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind here on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that was one of the readings <clears throat> from this past weekend. Uh, we had a, another uh, reading, uh, but we started off the first reading, um, was from uh, Ezekiel. And then we had a second reading that was shared from Romans. And they all had to do with a theme, really a theme of correction. Um, in the Catholic Church, we like to call it uh, fraternal correction. Um, and it has to do with someone when someone's veering off the path or acting un-Catholic and un-Christian-like. It is really our duty, <clears throat> if we love that person, to, um, to bring that to their attention and give them the opportunity uh, to uh, to make some correction and to uh, reunite in a life uh, that is really centered towards uh, uh, connection with God. And if you listen to the gospel, you probably picked up on a couple of themes with that. And one of the first things it says is, uh, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. How, how many of us, when we feel wronged by somebody, feel very uh, free and uh, I guess freely share what that wrongdoing might be with someone else, not the person who perpetuate or, or who who acted uh, in the wrong, but we share it with others, and you know that's called gossip. But right here in the gospel, it says, "Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone." I think that what that does is it respects the honor of the other person. Um, yes, you feel wronged, but but you're not going to create gossip and try to uh, harm that person through, you know, the negative effects of what gossip does. Um, but you go right to the person themselves, and you're showing that you're honoring them, um, and you're, you're actually revealing the, that, that the harm that was done, the hurt, because sometimes they're not even aware of it. Sometimes they are. But when, when you meet with somebody face-to-face -face and eye-to-eye, -eye, and you can share that you've been, you know, harmed in some way or hurt in some way, it has a much different... Uh, I guess, uh, effect, then you, if you received it by email, and <clears throat> I think we all see that in social media. People are so free to write things and to spread gossip and rumors and to act in certain ways that most of the time they would never act that way if they were sitting eye to eye to the person that they're offending. And uh, so I think that's some good advice um, from from Jesus of course all his advice is good <laughs> but I think that's good advice for us to really reflect on um, in our own lives and I know I'm guilty of this and I can work on that uh, as well um, and then it continues on if he listens to you you have one over your brother if he does not listen to you take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of the two or three witnesses 
And I think that's something to think about. And that really has to do with our community. If someone's acting in such a way that's contrary to the faith, or they're acting some way that's harming others, and if he won't listen to you, um, maybe grab a couple of people that are important in this person's life. I, what do we call that? Is that like an intervention? <laughs> and uh, and let them know, um, and hopefully in kindness and love, um, really the magnitude of what their actions are, are creating. I think so often people do things and they think if it's done in secret or if it's not done, I, I guess, directly to people that, you know, what is the harm? And I think that's, uh, the devil loves that, you know, having us think that we're acting in secret where we're really any sin um, is, is, is harmful to society. Um, it, 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 if it's not, if we're not building up Christ for not living holy and righteous lives, um, it's deter, it deteriorates, even if it's deteriorating our own soul. And as we deteriorate our soul or we separate ourselves from God, how is that helping the community out as a whole? Uh, when we're supposed to be in communion with the community um, and then also helping to build each other up. If we're tearing ourselves down, what do we have left in ourselves to build others up? Um, just something to ponder and to think about. Um, and then and then if, it, if the two or three, <clears throat> if that intervention won't help, and then it says, if uh, um, take one or two, you know, along with you, so that all the facts can be established. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he, um, and that's when you maybe can have your pastor, a deacon, a religious, an elder of the community, um, especially if this person is a practicing Christian or Catholic. Um, you you get them involved, and and you're hoping by their involvement, it's not to help in any shame in any way or tattling on somebody it's actually you're you're asking you know for god's grace to really to intervene and that maybe having this person come especially if it's someone from the church that was respected by the uh, uh perpetrator of of the sin or the act that uh they can pray together and ask for god's grace to kind of enlighten and to strengthen especially if you're catholic um, it's wonderful when you can have the sacraments um, bring an opportunity for that uh, person to have uh, confession. Confession often, uh, you know, breaks those shackles of the vice that, that so many of us struggle with and allows God's grace to fully uh, penetrate into our soul, into our being, and to help us, you know, see our actions for what they are and also gives us the strength and the wisdom to fight them off and to see the damage that it does to those around us. And then the, the finally, <clears throat> the gospel goes on and says, if you've done all of these things and the person still um, does not want to listen or to change their behaviors or to react in a positive way, to treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. You know, the, the, this was written at a time where um, uh, for, the, for the Jews, and if you were a non-Jew, a non-believer, you were considered a Gentile or like a tax collector and you were shunned. You were shunned from the community. So if this person is acting anti-Christian, breaking the laws of the church, and you've done all that you can do, and you've even <clears throat> helped the church come uh, uh, to uh, interface with this person, and they reject it, they write out, reject it, and what they're really doing then is is they are excommunicating themselves from, from really the church. And it says that if you've done all that you can do, 
Um, and then at that point, <clears throat> there is nothing more to do. The act needs to happen within the person themselves. There's nothing more than you can do. God gave them a free will, and it's at that point then you can turn from them and to go on with your life. Very harsh in a lot of ways, don't, don't, don't you think? Um, but you know, Jesus didn't sugarcoat things. I think he spoke the truth. And I, I think that's one of the problems that we have in, in our understanding of Catholicism and Christianity is um, they, people really connect with the merciful and the forgiving God, which that he is. But he's also a God of justice. And if we make choices in our life and we stick to those choices and someone has brought to our attention how they're contrary to the faith and we still decide not to repent and to uh, live uh, an anti-Christian life, <clears throat> by God, there will be judgment for, for that. And we've heard that through and through the Bible um, and Jesus' Jesus' teachings. And here's, a, here's another example in, in this teaching as well uh, to... Uh, to take that to heart, that uh, God is love, he is kindness, he's grace, but he's also um, just. He's a just God, and he will hold us accountable for our actions, especially when we choose not to repent and to turn from them. I did want to just reflect a little bit, though, on this fraternal correctness, and I, I think there's one really serious part of this that we need to understand, and I think it correlates really with what's going on in the world around us. I think for fraternal correctness to work, <clears throat> there has to be a relationship. Really, if you think about it, if someone comes to you and you don't know them very well, and they're telling you that you're doing something wrong and that you need to change, how much credence, how much weight are you going to give You know that correctness? And in contrast, let's think about this. Let's say that there's someone that's very close to you, very intimate in your life, um, you spend a lot of time, quality time together. You know this person very well, and they they know you very well. You're you're assured, you know, by example and by experience that this person loves you, that this person cares for you, and you care for them, and and you love them, as well. And that person comes to you in all kindness and love, and charity, and brings out uh, the a point of how that they feel that you are really acting in contrary to what is good to your soul. And they're deeply troubled by this um, in, in a heartfelt way. How, how would you take that on? How, what would your response be to something like that? It would be completely different to the other. And I think we see this, you know, even on Facebook and social media. How often do people get on there and they just blast other people? <laughs> and it might be, uh, justified, you know, people say something, comment on something. It's really, a, you know, in opposition to the faith, and uh, someone wants to correct them. But you don't know who that person is. You probably, maybe, you never even met them. Maybe they're a Facebook friend. You know, <laughs> you don't really even know who they are, um, and you get angered by that, and then that starts the tit for tat going back and forth, um, and and because there's no relationship there, and so. I think it's really important for us to really think about, you know, our relationships in our life, um, and then how are and 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 how are we leading by example? And so I think it's real important if you see that someone in your life um, is maybe going astray. I think before you try to correct them, uh, assure that you have 
a relationship, a meaningful relationship. You might need to invest some time into just being with that person, being around that person before you try to uh, give any fraternal correctness. So it's something to, to think about, you know, in your life um, and my life too. You know, the other thing, it brings me, um, this is, um, it's, it's related, but it's a little different. Uh, another point I wanted to make, and it was um, kind of like a modern day parable, but uh, it was a story I once heard, and it was about this wise, wise man, and uh, he was a monk, and he was a spiritual director, and people always wanted to see him, and because he gave such, you know, sage uh, advice, and um, I remember this story once where this person had been really struggling with something in their life, um, and they finally were able to get to this uh, wise monk, and uh, wanted some advice because they just knew the 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 uh, the whatever they received from this monk would just help them to overcome you know this cross that they had in their life. So they finally found the time to see the monk. Um, they prayed together and began the session. And then the the person shared with the monk what their cross was, and to the person's surprise, the monk listened very attentively, and then gave this directive. The the monk said, "Come back in twelve weeks, and you pray about what you just shared with me, and in twelve weeks I'll be able to give you some advice." And the session abruptly ended. Well, the person went away and was quite disappointed. Um, it took quite a while to set up that appointment to see the monk. That person had been struggling. It, it, clearly, it's been just heavy on the person's heart. Um, if they didn't know what to do, they wouldn't have gone to the monk if they knew what to do. And, and all that happened, and then they're told to come back in 12 weeks. Well, the, the person endured, and they prayed quite a lot. Uh, 12 weeks went by. It went by as slow as molasses, but it went by. And then they, they finally reunited again. And the very first question that uh, the, uh, the, the penitent really had to the monk was, you know, why, why did you not give me advice uh, when we met? Why did you make me wait 12, 12 weeks to come back for you to be able to give me advice? And very humbly, the monk said, what you shared with me as your struggle I realized at that moment, I realized that I had a very similar struggle. And if I have the same sinfulness in me or the same inequity in me, how can I give anybody advice? So I needed to separate from you to work on myself, to correct that problem within myself before I could ever give anybody any wisdom to overcome something that uh, that I was dealing with, and I needed the time to uh, repair myself, to pray, and then to have really God's grace to be able to give you true and authentic direction. I thought that that was very meaningful in in so many ways, and you really think if you could really think about our own lives, how often are we judging people? when we have a very similar um, problem in our own lives. You know, what's the, what's, what's the gospel message where it talks about make sure that you remove the plank from your eye before you worry about the speck in another's? Um, I, I really think that if we really paid more attention to how we could grow in our own holiness 
And if we, you know, uh, routinely had our examination of conscience every day, where we looked at the blessings in our life, but also our faults in our life, the temptations we have in our life, and really looked at where we could grow in our life, and then put action plans together on how that could be accomplished. And we just try to be as, as holy of a person as we could be, as good of a person that we could be. I think not only would we be more, I think, uh, cautious to just give free advice out to other people, knowing our own limitations. I think when we did, did do so, it would come with greater grace and humility and would help us to be more authentic with really living out our Christian lives as well. Well, I think that's more than enough to share with you for today. It was, though it was weighing on my mind and, and I thought it was important for me uh, to really, uh, I guess, ponder some of these thoughts. You know, these podcasts work in a couple of different ways. One, one is, is a time for me to connect with you and for me to, uh, you know, kind of share the faith and, and delight in who God is in, in our lives. Um, but it also gives me an opportunity to really think things through on a deeper level. If I have to try to formulate my thoughts and how they relate to life and to do it in a way that I can speak it out and share, it happens in, in, in a deeper way, and I, I grow from them too. So thank you for listening to this podcast. I wish I could say that that was... Uh, uh, well-deserved penance, <laughs> but, um, but I sure enjoy, you know, spending time with you and I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll probably see you in a, a day or so again, because I'm on vacation and I have more time on my hands. So have a wonderful day and, uh, God bless. And I look forward to seeing you again. Never forget how much God loves you. God bless. Take care.